So I was like, you know, if we want to do this, uh, let's do it now while we're still young and able-bodied. So, and give the opportunity to our kids to have an experience growing up that not many get that experience. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Your hosts, Tom and Julie, talk about gardening, homesteading, and connecting with the land at their 10-acre farm in Wisconsin's Driftless area. It's time to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day on the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm coming to you from the warm landing at Driftless Oaks Farm. Why am I saying this? Well, I'm saying this because I live in the ice world called Hoth. No, it's actually called Wisconsin. And the air freezes your eyelashes, beard, and mustache at these temperatures. It's a balmy minus four degrees Fahrenheit right now. And I'm nice and toasty in my podcast studio shed. Yes, I'm actually in a shed. It's like a a 10 by 12 shed. And it is actually nice because I have a great space heater here. So I am very thankful for electricity and a space heater right now. Well, I'm really excited for this week's podcast. It's a conversation with my friend Adam from Colorado. In 2021, Adam and his wonderful bride made some big choices and changes. They turned their back on the hustle and bustle of the front range, Denver for all of us flatlanders, and corporate jobs and found their three-acre homestead in rural Colorado. They decided to provide their boys with a different way, a different path to grow up. At the same time, they wanted to be closer to their aging parents and discover the freedom of living in the country and doing things their way. I met Adam at Donnell Freeman's homestead way back in 2018. Donnell was on the Small Scale Life podcast, actually two episodes of the Small Scale Life podcast, and I have to have him on again. I didn't know Adam from, well, Adam, but we connected and we stayed up almost all night with a bee whisperer, Michael Jordan, talking about bees, homesteading, politics, literature, religion, and life. It was amazing what a little mead, the moon, and the stars Well, and some moonshine can't forge, isn't it? As I edit this audio, I feel that excitement and promise of the homesteading life. Homesteading is optimism. Optimism for the future, for your family, and for your tribe. Homesteading can be hard, really freaking hard. I mean, it's minus four outside, and I can see the frost on all of my windows here in this little shed. It can be really, really hard. But when you have good people around you and find that place that speaks to you, the universe begins to move in your favor. Not everything is unicorn farts and rainbows, but with some good bones, some hard work, some love from friends and neighbors, you can build an amazing place that will stand the test of time and provide a platform, a solid foundation for you, your family, and your friends. I'm excited that Adam is on the Small Scale Life podcast. This is part one of a two-part series talking about his journey to find his homestead and building a thriving beekeeping and homesteading business. There is good energy here. You can hear it. (laughs) It's a really good conversation. And remember, dear friends, the path to building this kind of life is tomatoes and zucchini. And now without further ado, Adam talks about starting high desert hives and homestead on the Small Scale Life Podcast. 
Welcome to Small Scale Life, Adam. We're really excited to have you on the show. Please tell us about you and your family. Who are you, man? Who am I? Yeah. Uh, besides some crazy ginger on the western slope of Colorado. Uh, live on three acres now with my wife, who has the tolerance of an angel because she puts up with me and my shenanigans. And my two boys and my dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, we're just making a go at it. Lived on the front range, or those who don't know, Denver. Uh, was a field service engineer for critical power systems. Did a lot of high profile uh, sites, government, banking, uh, data processing. So it was kind of some stuff happened. It's like, you know what? it's time to get out of the, the major cities and mom and dad are getting up there in age and their farm is starting to uh, kind of get to not decrepit, but it's starting to fall behind. And yeah. cause they didn't get their land till in, till into their late fifties, early sixties. Mm. So I was like, you know, if we want to do this, I, I let's do it now while we're still young and able-bodied. So, and give the opportunity to our kids to, have an experience growing up that not many get that experience. No, that's very true. And, um, you know, I remember when we moved down to Illinois back when I was in my thirties. <laughs> um, yeah. So we moved down to Illinois and my boys were, we found a house and the boys were super excited. They're like, does it have a hill for sledding? It's <laughs> Illinois. No. <laughs> does, does it have woods? <laughs> no, we don't have that. We're in suburban hell, hellscape. You know what I mean? So yeah, that is a that is a true gift to be able to have the boys get on the land and, and experience that. That is something that, you know, as farmland gets shrunk, gobbled up and it's corporate farms and not a lot of kids get to do that these days. Growing up, I mean, I grew up similar to kind of like your guys' story. Grew up or more so with you and Jules. I grew up in suburbia, Denver. So, but the entire time growing up, mom and dad always said, oh, we wish we bought land. We wish we bought land. We would have been happier. Yeah. So it's like the, the seed, is, seed was always, always there. It was just finally acting upon it, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. So, yeah, totally. And but, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say my parents, the same thing. I mean, they actually had a house on a lake and in was central Wisconsin and they actually bought a small farm. And then they decided to move to the city for, you know, job and benefits. And, and then they, it just occurred to me recently that they were always trying to get back to what they had for, for the rest of their lives. And they had it at one time, it was in their hands and they just made decisions. Right. And bought in as Greg Burns says, bought into the American scheme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my grandma grew up on a farm and she even said the same thing. She's like, I don't want to ever be on the farm. And she's even says now, I mean, she's still around. And she's like, I don't know why you decided to move to a farm. It's like, well, here's why. I mean, sure. And same thing, uh, my dad with uh my his other set of grandparents, they had a farm pretty much downtown Denver. So that tells you how early they were there. Sure. Um, and dad said he's like, Yeah, I remember working the tractors and loving every minute of it when I was a kid. So same thing. I mean, he bought into the scheme and Grew up in or they grew up in semi suburbia, and finally, it was enough. Was enough. Yeah. Now, um, I've talked about this before with other people, like uh, Michael Jordan had a big accident. Um, Greg Burns had an accident. Was there like an incident or something that just said it's time to go? Is there one event 
that was one event. There was a series of events between my old job. I had a customer that pretty much just ran us all into the ground mm. and having talked to some very high up government people and seeing that they go into meetings and then something happens like on the national level. It's like, yeah, I, I don't want to be here when this happens. So, or if anything does happen, if the big balloon goes up, whatever, I mean, not to go down the conspiracy rabbit holes, but it's just a, I don't want to really, I don't want to be around the bait, the major metropolitan areas, but also at the same time, if you go from pretty much the prepper side of things, the end goal of all preppers really is to become homesteaders. Right. When you really think about it, because your number 10 cans can only last you so long. They cost a lot of money. They take up a lot of space. So there's a reason for them. I mean, they're good to have, but I, I had a buddy who owned a prepper store and there was one lady there that said, Hey, you guys seem to have your stuff together. Come by my house. I want to talk to you. It's like, all right, well, I'm okay with networking with people. So we'll go talk. This lady had $30,000 worth of food in her basement of number 10 cans. I'm like, dude, you look like Bo's shop. She's like, yeah, I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know what it tastes like. Well, get a can opener and read the instructions. Right. But at the same time, it's like you, she had, she was on like a quarter of acre. It's like, well, where's your garden? She goes, oh, no, I don't garden. I don't like bugs. Okay. That, that was mind boggling. It's like, so you don't have a garden because you don't like bugs. Okay, whatever. Your deal. Not mine. I, I like my bugs. They're fun. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's like the people with uh, a, a whole room full of weaponry and armament and then wow. like nothing else. Right. And yeah. it's a whole, it's a whole package. Right. There's a starting point. For, yeah. There's a starting point somewhere. Yeah. So, so if the guys that gets in the guns and then into the prepping stuff and into the homesteading stuff. And even then, even just homesteading, I mean, there's even like, I didn't know this till recently. There's actually a subset of homesteaders. So of the freedom steaders, mm. which, which I don't know if you ever heard of that one, which is just the whole, like taking the debt free stuff to an extreme, but not really extreme, I shouldn't say, but it makes sense. Like they don't pay anything on credit or loan, which is extremely hard when you come mm. to homesteading because between property equipment, because I don't care, eventually you need equipment, whether it's a old beat up truck, an old ATV, an old tractor, it costs money to buy and to upkeep. Right. So. It's, but they, they sit there and they say, yeah, we're doing it as debt-free as possible. So that way we don't owe anyone anything and the land grabs are even harder. So that's the other thing. I didn't know that was a thing and we're kind of doing that. I didn't know we were. We were just doing the Dave Ramsey thing. Sure. Well, just no, or little to no debt as possible. Yep. No, we're, we're totally on board with that. I mean, um, you know, debt will crush you. That's been a hang up with uh, this old house and then trying to figure out a new house situation. And if we put a manufactured house on here, or even a barn dominium, how much more will that that payment be? But yeah, you're right. You need equipment. You need a truck for plowing snow here in Wisconsin. You need a riding lawnmower because I've got a lot of lawn to mow and uh you need the chainsaw. You need some stuff, right? So you got to have the yeah. gear. In your case, you bought a tractor, which is cool. So yeah, I mean, yeah. you you can do a lot and not take on a lot of debt. But well, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there are people that do it, and they're called the Amish, right? And they're very successful. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, I mean, it, the the neighbor across the street from me—that um, was one thing that was actually very nice when we moved here. 
is he came and introduced himself and he's like, Hey, we had, I had elm trees all over these three acres. I mean, it looked like a forest. They're all saplings. And I don't know if, if you've messed with elm trees at all. Not elm, but we have other ones here that I mess with. Well, so yeah. yeah. They're, they're just a trash tree. They're horrible. And he goes, yeah, if you want, come borrow the brush hog. I'm like, mm-hmm. he goes, and I was like, Oh, that's nice. And he goes, yeah, if you really want to, you can borrow my farm all. I'm like, wait, what? You're going to trust me as a tractor. I just, I just got your name. And he's like, and mind you, his farm all like his retires are three quarters the size of my tractor. It's a big tractor. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. You're going you're gonna to trust me with that big old thing. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I appreciate, it, but no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, but, that's a pretty so, trusting so, dude, you know, for city slickers just moving out. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he saw how me and dad put the fence up. So he, he was out there. He's like, you, you're getting after my, yeah, there's no way you cannot not get after when you get property. Right. Um, not to interrupt right. you again, Tommy, but I got to go let the wife in. So. Sorry, yeah. there's not any more interruptions. Oh, that's all right. This is the power of podcasting. We can stop and go and do what we need to do. It's all good, bro. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a com- for us too. It's a combination of things, and just I'm about to turn fifty, so I didn't want to fifty. Good God, so I didn't want to be you know sixty and starting this. You know, I mean, it's time to get going, right? And then all the chaos from 2020, all the been a string of things and it was time to get out of the city so that's kind of why we did it too so yeah i appreciate that yeah no and us i mean we were looking to move we really we tried to get out of denver honestly not for nine years hmm. yeah i mean every single time we come to mom and dad's like dude i don't want to go back i don't want to go back home and then last year when we did that our big road trip it's like okay reaver we went to missouri we had friends that sold their place in like they were a quarter mile from our house in hmm. denver and they sold that and they bought 40 acres outright in Missouri. It's like, dude, that's, that's a dream. And it's not just raw. It was with a house and a barn and all the infrastructure is there. It's like, all right, well, we'll go check out Missouri. We got some mutual friends in Tennessee. It's like, I love Tennessee, but I can't dynamic a family. I can't get everybody to Tennessee. So it's like, all right, let's compromise here. Okay. Like I said, my parents are getting up in age. They got their little micro farm. My wife's parents are up in age. Okay, yeah, they're four hours away, but they need something. We're still here in the state. We're still a four-hour drive away versus a plane ride or a day and a half drive. Yep. So, so we'll we'll figure something out. Right. Yep. And that struggle is real, too. There are a lot of us with uh, parents that are getting older. They've got things that they need help with. And, and uh, you know, we can't just trek across country and not like we used to, right? <laughs> <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So this homesteading thing, where did it start with you? I mean, what, I mean, where did you start with all this? Why did you go to homesteading? What was the catalyst there? <laughs> the garden. Garden. Yeah. <laughs> and gardening, uh, yeah. gardening is the gateway to homesteading. Too. Oh, I mean, gardening. It, it was a gateway to, cause I went from, I was growing pepper plants and a cucumber plant in a pot. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I need to go up. And I remember it was like the year, Two years before my parents sold their house in uh, Westminster, dad built a four by eight uh, raised garden bed for, for him and mom and for him and mom. And at the time I was still, I moved back in because that's when I moved back from Minnesota and getting my feet back on the ground. It's like, you know, this little thing's cool. I mimicked that and my first garden was completely overplanted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had four uh, zucchini plants. I had three jalapeno plants in there. I had a strawberry plant. I had cucumber plants. I, it, 
it was blown out the gills. I was like, well, this ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was, well, you got mutant vegetables. I was like, why do they look mutant? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then it was just, it was just progression. I was like, okay, start one bed. Okay. Now I'm going to grow. Cause we had the space. It's like, all right, we're going to make that into six beds and just progressively get there, get the animals and so on and so forth. Well, we got bees before we got, uh, any other livestock, even when we were living in city limits. Mm-hmm. That's it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's a garden. I even break it down to the tomato is the gateway drug, right? Because you want to make mm-hmm. salsa or sauce or something. So that's the tomato is always the thing. Yeah. Zucchini, zucchinis and tomatoes are the gateway plant. <laughs> <laughs> if you got the space for zucchini, just as long as you can water them, you don't get squash bugs. <laughs> just they will produce and produce. Yeah. <laughs> and tomato. And tomatoes just get taller and taller once you learn how to prune them. Right, exactly. Yeah, zucchinis. Um, I got squash borer, so yeah, that wiped all out. Not this year, but a few years ago. So we're oh. still. Uh, we'll we'll do that next year. We'll try our zucchinis again next year. So yeah, that was that was this year was the first year I've ever had to deal with squash bugs. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving over here, I never messed with them before, and yeah, they wipe plants totally. so that's a nice little learning curve yep yep so. exactly so what would you say is your big why what are you trying to accomplish with your homestead and and just be more self-reliant more independent yeah that and lifestyle choices i mean i mean yeah you go back to the old adage country boys can't survive but yeah it's be more self-reliant be more independent from the systems because even even when we were just doing the basic gardening stuff, um, I remember there was one year where the, the spinach was tainted in the stores from listeria. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I got spinach plants in my in my box. Like I'm having spinach tonight, y'all. Yeah. And I remember I put that up when I was on social media. They sat there, and I remember I had friends like, "You can't eat spinach. It's covered in listeria, not from my backyard, unless I peed on it myself, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't do." Right. <laughs> No, I don't do that either. No, <laughs> no I got it. <laughs> so, no, guess what? I got my garlic and my onions and spinach. I'm a happy little fat man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I found for me too, and maybe you found this, I mean, traveling around is stressful, right? And these mm-hmm. jobs are stressful. And for me, the garden was a big, huge stress relief. I mean, just going out there and Spirko talks about this, watering the tomato and you get that smell, you know, just a little splash, not a whole lot, but it's that smell you know, being in the garden, working in the dirt, just grounding like that, it really does help with your yeah. stress and bring you back to back to center. Dang it, I hate that. Um, so anyway, I was gonna. I was saying that. Um, can you see me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. I was gonna say that um, working in the ground, uh, in the garden, in the ground, in the dirt. It just helps center you and ground you, you know, and uh, it takes that stress away from you. It's not uh, such a stressful, it makes life a little more tolerable. And it forces you to slow down. I mean, even like the, everyone's like, oh, connect back to nature, go into the woods. Yeah, you can do that. But if you're not able to walk your butt through the woods, I mean, I'll say producing own food in the garden is probably the next best thing, if not the best thing you can do for your, for your own health, not just physically, emotionally. I mean... I, there's been uh, numerous networking stuff where people said like, yeah, I lost a significant one in the garden is what kept me going. Cause it was their garden. And I want to make sure that I can keep it going for them and everything else. I mean, and yeah, same thing. When I was working on the road, it was like, dude, I just want to go back home and be with the family and mess with my plants and play with my animals. 
exactly. whether it's the dogs or the livestock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that, man. I mean, it's been huge for me, you know. So you got out of the city. You're at a homestead. So talk about that process. How did you find your property? What was it? What were you looking for? What? Uh, how long did it take? All that good stuff. Tell us the story about that. Uh, well, really, we December last year was the, the pretty much the breaking point. It was like, you know, we got to get out of the cities. And our adage was we couldn't move unless I had a job beforehand. Mm-hmm. And finally doing the math is like, you know, if we sell our house, we can live off the equity for a while, while we search and I can get a job and everything else, get a W-2 job and all that snazzy stuff. Because unfortunately, it's way easier to get a home loan that lets you pay for property outright if you have a W-2 job. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's come my philosophy on that. So it's like, all right, mom and dad have a big enough house. They put the offer out. There's like, hey, you guys want to move out here. If you're willing, you guys pretty much be farmhands, pay for groceries, half and half the utilities be good to go while you find your place. Cool. So it was like December, 2021, when we packed up, like, like December 22nd was when we packed up the, the last moving truck. It boogied out here. Um, then January took a month off. Cause I did not realize how bad my nerves were until my wife and my mom literally pretty much threw me in the room and said, go calm down for a while. <laughs> <laughs> they had intervention, huh? Pretty much. It was yeah. like, I didn't, I did not realize I was, I was spun up that tight. It's like, yeah, well, really the thing that got me was I remember I sprained my ankle and I went into the emergency or not the emergency, the urgent care. And they took my blood pressure in. I was always had like pre hypertension levels and they took my blood pressure. And I was like down to one twenties over 90. I was normal. I was like, take that again. They're like, I mean, you did something wrong. There was no way I'm that low. Mm-hmm. And they're, they did. They took my, I made them take my blood pressure three times because I did not believe the numbers. It's like just going from that to here. Yeah. Did that much better for me. Um, but to go back to the homestead stuff, it was about mm, February, March was when we, I had the W2 job so we can make the paperwork for the home loans stuff uh, better or easier. And then we found this place in May. So it was like two months and we closed on this in June. And with all of our, uh, the improvements we had to do, we didn't move in here till September. Oh, wow. Well, no, was it August? No, it was September. Wow. So, cause there was, there was a lot of, there, there wasn't a lot of improvements we had to do to this place, but enough to where it was easier if, mm-hmm. if I didn't have the kiddos here. Right. Um, especially when I was, I was helping the guy trim the trees with how big they are and everything else is like, yeah, we'll just, it'll just be me. And yeah, it, was, it was about a five month process. We, we lucked out because the way this property was for sale, our realtor, she was on vacation and she goes, Hey, I'm going to allow you into this private uh, realtors group on Facebook. And that's where a lot of the realtors here are doing their, uh, before they go on market sales. Sure. And she goes, if there's a property there, you let me know. And because I don't have time to surf the stuff, let me know. And we'll go take a look at it. Cool. And the guy subdivided this three acres off from the 40 mm. acres. And he did a for sale by owner. Okay. So we lucked out. We were, we were the first showing. Nice. Uh, nice. And 
we put in a we put in the offer at asking price. And he even said he he called the other two people that said for showing us, hey, if you guys aren't going to put in a, an offer at least above asking, don't bother showing up. And they didn't. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this house was originally part of 40 acres. Okay. Subdivide this three off. They were going to sell this three acres so they can fund their dream build on the back 40, literally. Okay. But, but COVID hit and all the stuff all along with that contractors materials it fell through mm. and his wife now got a job two hours away oh wow so now it's okay so they sold the three acres she got this she has a job well they're moving two hours away so now the other 36 for sale with wow. nothing on it except for two steel buildings wow no electricity has a water tap no sewer mm. so it's like this is kind of interesting but i got free reign of 40 acres they're not mine and he even said he goes yeah he goes he goes, besides besides doing the illegal activity, he goes, do whatever you want on there. He goes, you're not going to hurt anyone. I'm like, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't know who. But I yeah, know. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of, that's a cool opportunity. I've said to Jules, too, a lot of times, and I think I've said on the podcast, you put yourself in the right place and opportunities are going to present themselves. Now, whether or not you're available or you have the cash available to take advantage of them that might not be available now but something if you wanted to expand could you know i mean it happens yeah and, yeah, and right now with the trends and everything that's where i'm kind of i hate to say it, be kind of not loan sharking but kind of just waiting to see what happens like that. i could potentially get the rest for relatively cheap <laughs> right 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 especially and then i can just make it one big property again yeah especially with no sewer on it and you know some other drawbacks people they don't want to mess well, with it. Well, not just that. I mean, there's there was uh, two other parcels of raw land. One we were looking at. I was I was really wanting to go look at this property. It was fifty acres. It had a three and a half acre lake on it. Oh, wow! A pond. It was a lake. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> but but there was nothing on it. There was no electricity. There was absolutely nothing, and it was fifteen miles from the main highway. So it was a it was an excursion back there, but. That has been sitting there for, was it empty for sale for two and a half years? Wow. So, and even a property down the street, same thing, it's 20 acres. It's been sitting for a year and a half. Wow. Empty. So, the raw land, it, it's out there if you can afford it. Right. But it's then, okay, you can afford the land. Okay, now you got to get a new, a new building loan or you got to fund your build. Okay, well, what general contractor do you have? They're, they're backlogged a year. Oh yeah. And material, they're not giving you a price on material until the day it shows up on your property. All of that. So yeah. It's mm-hmm. like and we've seen the fluctuation in wood prices and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we we are um we're looking at manufactured home options just because you're cutting out all cutting out a lot of the the BS and putting up the shell, right? Because you'll bring the shell in and all the stuff is in there already. You just need to provide a basement. So can we do that, right? (laughs) Us, because we bought ours is a double wide modular Mm -hmm. trailer, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a basement, but um, I don't know if you guys have this. Probably not. We it's been purged. Pretty much just means the bank and the county have gotten together and said, yes, this is where the trailer has been placed since day one. It has never been moved. Hmm. It's permanently attached to a actual ground anchor, and the axles have been removed. Oh wow! Okay. 
So that's another thing as far as manufactured homes. That's what I had to learn. I don't know if that's the same nationwide or if that's just a Colorado thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, that I don't know. Um, here yeah. they would bring in two halves and put them together and it it's on a foundation and there's no, you know, it's it's coming in on a trailer or on a flatbed of some kind and they just, they bring a crane in and stick it together and you can't even yeah. tell once they're done. So it's pretty amazing well, stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, there's been, we've looked at, we were looking at some of the modular homes and yeah, there's some that they said this is not a basement, but yet it was eight foot deep crawl space. But the pipe, the piping was three feet high. Okay. So you couldn't build anything underneath. There's like, well, for storage, who cares? They got a duck or duck or climb on the pipe. Yeah. But here we're we're on stilts essentially. Okay. That's the best okay. way to describe it. They're, they're stilts. Yeah, that's kind of like so, uh, it's a little bit like how this old farmhouse is, although it's on. Uh, there's blocks in the corner, you know, big stones in the corner. And then they have like a six by six that spans those. And they have, they have field stone underneath that makes up the foundation, but there's like a cross basin that guys like us can't get in. You have to be a very small person or a cat to get in there. Right. Oh, oh no, no. That's one thing I will say though. Get a homestead. You will lose weight. <laughs> I, I'm working. I, I, I lost, oh man. I lost 30 pounds in this homestead <laughs> so my pants are falling off and Kathy's like how much weight have you lost i'm like i don't know get hop on scale oh, i lost 30 pounds cool <laughs> but I, I blame that on the weather and the fact you have better access to better food yeah yeah no and and you're busy with projects i mean if you're i've said this before too if you're bored in this place at this farm or yours you're not trying, you're not doing anything, right? I mean, there, there's always something you can do, cutting wood or getting the garden ready or cutting grass or fixing something. I mean, there is so much to do. I mean, come on now, get busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like right now, one of my projects is I got to build some temporary chicken housing um, because chicken math got a hold of me this year. It, ah. It's a thing. So <laughs> whenever you decide to get chickens, it's a thing. <laughs> 2023. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah. So yeah, we went from six chickens up to 30. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, to be fair, <laughs> my dad What's and my with you? <laughs> uh dad had six old leghorns. It's like, you know, they're two years old. They're getting towards the end of their life. We need to get some new birds. All right, so we'll get 12, 12 new birds. Okay. Just doing the math at the time. It's like, okay, there's six of us in the house. 12 birds, that's two eggs a day. Mm -hmm. If you do that, if you go by the old adage, how many eggs a day you get? My mom hates roosters. Okay. So, so it's like, okay, so hens only, eggs only, that's it. Cool. Well, when we got this place, uh, we went to track fly. What did we, we, we went there for, I think it was something for the tractor. Oh, it's for a hitch pin for the rear blade. And they had chickens there out of season. It's like, why do you guys have chickens? Oh, this is another little hack to save some money. Uh, at least they do it here. Uh, Murdoch's and track supply. If somebody mail orders birds and they refuse the delivery from the post office, the post office has to get rid of those birds. Oh, wow. So they'll contact the stores and the stores will sell at a discount, like a severe discount. Because they're just like, yeah, these are the people that will move them. Um, so I got 12 bard rocks for 50 cents a bird. Wow. When during chick days, when they go again, they're two dollars a bird, a dollar fifty a bird. It's like pff, score mine. Oh, straight yeah. run. Oh, cool. There's might be a rooster in there. Cool, because I want a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> so then next thing you know, and all the math is like, oh well, man, we got thirty birds here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. No, Jules, Jules has informed me we're getting chickens in 2023. So she's going to name the first two Laverne and Shirley. So we'll see. <laughs> I had when I lived in Denver, so to kind of go a little bit back into the homestead, I guess, journey, uh, I had ducks on my urban lot. Mm. And we had Quacky Chan and Duck Norris. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And that, there's another lesson learned. Uh, a duck's quack is louder than a rooster's crow. Oh. So I had neighbors that loved and hated me <laughs> when, when I did that. I was like, didn't know this. But I'll tell you what, Quacky Chan and Duck Norris were very tasty. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet they were. Wow, I had no idea about that. You know, I mean, they don't tell tell you that when they're doing the homestead videos and all that. It's just, yeah, we got ducks and they're great and they make great eggs and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah reality. Yeah, Pekins, yeah, like Pekin ducks, the big white ducks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? The females quack, but the males don't or they do, but they're very, it's a, like they got a horse in their voice okay the asian runner ducks the females they are loud <laughs> <laughs> and she did so yeah we we had neighbors that loved us they would sit in the back porch their back porch and listen to the ducks and all the other birds we had and they were laughing they would love it and then we had one neighbor they never pinned on us because we paid off all the other neighbors touching our property with yeah. eggs and honey and they were helping one neighbor was like oh there you know ducks aren't allowed in the city limits we need to find out who does it and that neighbor, like, without scam beat, just looks at me and goes, that's not a duck, that's a web-footed chicken. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this, like, this is why <laughs> it's good to, it's good to pay, I'd say to pay off your neighbors with food. <laughs> in closing, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, and everywhere in between, may the gods, spirits, and folk be blessed at this place. May we heal the land and protect the soil, animals, and plants, May we live in strength and love, leading the way as we learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. We'll be back with another show. In the meantime, stay safe and take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. Here I am, on the road again. Here I am, up on stage. Here I go, playing the star again. Here I am, on stage. I sound like a dumbass all the time, so. Yes. Yes.